Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh, my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Oh, yes, delivery. Gendouzi's header. Here's an opportunity, Sanchez. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again. And Dolberg. Messi again. This time, maybe Messi's done it. Hello, welcome to Le Beau Jeu, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in English. Coming up, we talk PSG and Lionel Messi, who proved that no Kylian Mbappe and no Neymar equals no problem. While we look at the OGC Nice revival under Didier Degas that continued with an upset at the Velodrome in Marseille. There's wins for resurgent Lille and perhaps resurgent Lyon, and of course, There's the hardcore triviality of our Deja Who quiz. This month, you've got the chance to win a Leo Messi PSG jersey in honour of the two classics that will be played this month. One in the Coupe de France and then later in the month in the league. And we look ahead to those midweek Coupe de France fixtures as well as Ligue 1 Uber Eats round 23. Check us out on all uh, your official podcast platforms, of course, and you can get in touch with us via Twitter at League One World or at League One underscore ENG. Email us your comments and thoughts and answers to the Deja Who quiz at League One Podcast at gmail.com. And all the video highlights of every single Liga match from the uh, previous round and the uh, entire season, in fact, and seasons previous are on the official website, league1.com. With me this morning, Luke Entwistle from the sunny Côte d'Azur and Andy Scott from somewhat less sunny Paris. I'm Ian Holliman, and we're going to get right into it with the champions as they were at home to Toulouse on Saturday. Given away cheaply once more, though, and it is a free kick on the edge of the box and a yellow card for the substitute. Elshwaray Bichiabu. Let's see now, straight a goal, here it comes, oh brilliant, absolute brilliance, Branko van den Bowman selling a dummy to Donnarumma and finding the opposite corner, and Branko van den Bowman scores his fifth goal of the league and campaign, to lose then, with the free kick, dangerous ball in and it's two, but no it isn't, The flag is up on this near side. It's a great ball in. You can see it at the back post. Well, I think it was offside. Hakimi. Hakimi still going. Hakimi still going. Oh, brilliant! There's no offside. Going to save to lose from that one. Oh, what a strike. And in a match where they are deprived of Mbappe, Neymar and Sergio Ramos, and then see Renato Sanchez go off injured, The Moroccan World Cup star puts a smile back on the faces inside the Parc des Princes. They allowed him to track across, and a little bit like Lionel Messi, left foot, far post, no stopping it. Akraf Hakimi, nice little play. And again, Hakimi wandering into the middle, and the shot by Messi! doesn't want to be left out. If Mercurial left foot shots are going to find the back of the net, he wants to be one of them to do it. 
as he has been all through his career. And Messi reaches double figures for the season in Liga. Hakimi gets the assist, and Dupe is beaten for the second time in the game. You cannot account for genius. Bermanshevich, dangerous ball in, attempted shot, pinging around all over the place, and saved by Donnarumma. And he gratefully clasps on. Vanden Bowman down the line. Useful ball in. Dallinger couldn't get the shot away. Two or three attempts. And in the end, it was almost Anthony Ruo the hero. And Paris Saint-Germain escape. Messi at the other end. Looking to finish it off. Still Messi. Oh, it's off the post. Still not away. Vitinha! No! Will he ever score his first goal for Paris Saint-Germain? What a climax to the game. Messi almost dribbling this in. So unfortunate. Lovely reverse shot. So PSG then, eight points clear at the top of the table, despite not having played all that well, it would seem, since the turn of the year. Would you agree with that, Andy? Yes, I would agree with that. I think they've obviously they 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 had that run in which they dropped points in uh, what was it three out of four games at the start of the year, um, and the last couple of games which they've which they've won despite things going. I mean, Christoph Galtier said that um, on Saturday that the, the scenario has been complicated on each occasion. Kylian Mbappe coming off injured against Montpellier on Wednesday, having already missed uh, twice, missed a retaking penalty. They got the win in that game, and then on Saturday they they got the victory, having to come from behind. I think that. I, I actually, you know, I was at the game and my sort of take on it was slightly more positive than than maybe a lot of the media have been. I mean, they, they'd be very critical of PSG's performance. Maybe I was being too, um, you know, giving them, giving them too much credit perhaps because, you know, they're missing key players. It wasn't just Mbappe who was missing. It was Neymar, it was Ramos, it was Verratti and one or two others. And in the context, they got the result. But I suppose... You have to look at the the wider context, which of course is the the Bayern Munich game coming up, and that's what everybody's um, thinking about PSG in 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 that light. And and you know, Bayern were very convincing winners yesterday in the Bundesliga, and it does raise questions about uh, what condition PSG are going to be in going into that game. So you know, we have another week. They've got two massive matches to come before then, and perhaps in 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 seven days from now, we'll be in a, a better position to analyse. Um, how they're looking going into the first leg of the Bayern match, bearing in mind Mbappe won't play in that one, and Verratti should be playing. Uh, in in terms of the situation in the league, they've they've not been playing brilliantly. They've got themselves a couple of back-to-back wins, and all of a sudden they're eight points clear and looking very very um, handy indeed in the league. But you know, it, it's always the same with Paris Saint Germain. It's not it's not only about the league, is it? And I think um, they have a huge cup match coming up, which they'll want to win having gone out of the cup uh, relatively early last season. They'll be desperate to get through that one in, in a very difficult atmosphere in Marseille. And of course, they're desperate to get through the Champions League. But this sets them up quite nicely in the, in, in the sense that they've, they've got themselves that little cushion uh, and they can relax maybe just a little bit more going into that next league game against Monaco, knowing that their position at the top of the table is not under serious threat. Can I just say one thing, Ian, by the way? It is sunny in Paris today. I know we like to talk about the weather uh, on this podcast. And um, I can confirm that the sun is shining, which is about the first time in, in 2023 in, in, in this city. So um, there is that. Yeah, Kylian Mbappe absent, of course, that, that thigh injury that he picked up um, in, in, the, in the midweek win. Renato Sanchez again 
injured as as well. It, it does start to look a little bit thin at times, the squad, doesn't it? This PSG squad. I mean, Renato Sanchez's replacement at the weekend was El Shaddai Bichiabu. Yeah. Teenage centre-back. Sure, yeah. But of course, that was in... in, in um... Uh, only because they were able to move Danilo Pereira back up into midfield, which is his favourite position. The Renato Sanchez thing is uh, very unfortunate for him. He came off in tears. It looked like he did his hamstring, you know, with nobody anywhere near him. Uh, and he therefore will be on the sidelines for a while. I think it was only his fifth start of the season for Paris Saint-Germain. And he's not played 90 minutes yet. You know, he went off <clears throat> inside 12 minutes in that game. So things have not worked out at all well for him. I think he's the profile of player that they really could have done with having on top form this season, but it's not worked out. And and I think they have, yeah, they have serious problems in midfield. They have serious problems with the balance of the team. Christophe Galtier can't quite seem to find a, 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 a tactical um, setup that he's happy with at the moment. He keeps chopping and changing. It was like a diamond at the weekend with Bettinia slightly to the left so that Messi had that space, which he likes to occupy in a sort of inside right position. It was Carlos Soler on the right flank. You know, the, the, this is something we talked about a few weeks ago with Paris Saint-Germain is that you, you buy all these really excellent players, but are any of them really the right profile in terms of essentially being backup players? Somebody like Carlos Soler is not used to playing that role previously in his career. I don't, think, I don't think he's settled in at all well. I mean, you're coming into the team on the rare occasion, you've really got to be on your game straight away. I think, I think it's better if they can throw younger players in, actually, when needed. And El Shaddai Bichiabu came off the bench did a job, you know, guys like Ismail Garbi. But the squad is thin. There is no question the squad is thin. And of course, that brings us to the, the transfer window right in and missing out on Hakim Ziyech is the player they really wanted. I'm not sure that's the player they really needed. On deadline day, they wanted a replacement for Pablo Sarabia, who'd gone to Wolves. Um, and Ziyech was the guy they targeted, but the deal didn't happen because by all accounts, Chelsea were late sending through the necessary paperwork. So that one, that one didn't happen. But, you know, I, I think the midfield is the problem for Paris Saint-Germain, but I think the midfield's been the problem for Paris Saint-Germain ever since Blaise Matuidi and Thiago Motta left. So that's that's nothing new either. Yeah, Marco Verratti uh, suspended for that uh, rather foolish red card against against Rance in what, what had been a very lacklustre performance. This one was this one was slightly better, I thought, against uh, a, a, against Toulouse, despite the fact that they went behind to a, to a Toulouse side that's actually been in super form uh, under Philippe Montagnier, who's actually born... In the very city in which I'm sitting right now, along with Usman Dembele, the I'm the third most famous person from uh, from uh, <laughs> from this city by by some way margin, so somewhere down down in third. Um, but Luke Toulouse really again put in a good performance, and they've got some quality performers that their 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 recruitment group. Has has really come up trumps. I mean, Van den Boomer with the with the with the free kick, Tice uh, Dalinger, who who I know Andy wrote about on the on the League One dot com website. Check that one out to, for for more on him. They've really managed to find some some excellent buys, and, let, and let's talk about uh, Reese Healy as well, who got that ACL injury early in the season out of nowhere, last season's leading scorer in, in, in the second tier. I mean, lots of things going right, right for Toulouse, even if they didn't quite pull off a result at the Parc des Princes at the weekend. And that was largely due, due to two brilliant goals from Hakimi and Messi. Yeah, obviously Toulouse have this very money ball kind of approach, don't they? This very data-driven approach to recruitment. And they seem to really get a lot of players that 
are off many people's radars, but don't fall off theirs. You know, Van den Boomen is, is a big one. Spearing, too, who, who I really, really like in the midfield as well, is, is a great player. And it's nice to see Van den Boomen. He, he has been pretty strong all season after that incredible season last year, of course, in, in League 2, League two where every single free kick, if he was 16, 17 yards out, you just knew that it was, it was basically a penalty for, for Toulouse because he just had this knack of just slotting them away. And it's kind of quite predictable the way in which he slotted that one away. And unbeaten going into this game against PSG, they did themselves, you know, no harm with their performance. They're clearly on a very positive trajectory. I had them when I had them going down, sorry, at the start of the season, potentially. So they're going to be mid-table. I think ultimately this is a, a strong season. And, and I think if they continue with this very data-driven approach and, and they continue to to bring in players of, of a certain caliber and yeah, to replace Reese Healy, who got that horrible injury at the start of the year. Um, but to make his absence not felt, I, I think that, uh, yeah, a very, very positive trajectory. For yeah, currently 12th are, are to lose. That's a... That's a little bit like the Angus Tarod Strasbourg will win the Champions League. I think. I think. The, I think that's what it was. It's becoming a little bit like Chinese whispers now. But maybe it was the World Cup. I, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but um, <laughs> to, lose, to lose now a healthy 11 points clear of the of of the bottom four. So you'd suggest that they will be spending uh, dis- unless there's a huge collapse. And uh, let's not let's not wish it on them in the second half of the season. Clermont. Who came up uh, not, not 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 so long ago? It seems seems to me that that uh, that was a couple of seasons back. But this this could be well there. This this could be well there. The first season they just all blend into one. It is their second season. Thank you, Andy. I just needed that confirmation. There, it did, did feel like the second season. Claremont beaten by Monaco at, at the weekend. Monaco, the only other side in the top five to get a win. They're now two points off the podium, Luke. Braille and Bolo on fire. We've already talked about him and, and about what, what a good buy he's been. And I've certainly talked about how surprised I've been uh, with, his, with his goal output. 11 already for the season and a big plus for a, for a recruitment group at, at Monaco that has not often hit the mark in, in, in recent months. Yeah, I mean, you may, you raise a, an interesting point there because another one of those players, another one of those recruits in the summer has been Takumi Minamino, who has been largely absent throughout the season, really, after his move from Liverpool. Uh, and this was his first time back for, for it's the first appearance for quite a few weeks, actually. And he actually put in a, a pretty solid performance as well himself. You know, he was responsible for recovering that ball for Mbolo's goal quite early on. But Mbolo's been a great boy. Um, he's really kind of lifted that burden off with Sam Benyeda. It's allowing them to rotate a lot more to... Uh, to rest Ben Yedder, who didn't play at all, uh, but who, of course, do play PSG next week. So that's, I think, a massive plus for, for Monaco. And yeah, th- this wasn't a given, this result. I mean, on paper, Clermont versus Monaco, last season, you'd, you'd say it's pretty much a given, but Clermont are another one of those sides, like Toulouse, like Monaco, who haven't lost in 2023 in Ligue 1 up to this point. So this was a, you know, a game against two unbeaten sides, and they just came out the, out the traps very, very quickly, got the game killed in the first 13 minutes. And unlike in games against Auxerre and, and other games in recent times, they didn't give their opponent a chance in the, in the second half. So quite a professional job. And it, it bodes well ahead of this month that like PSG, I mean, PSG have got an awful calendar, but so do Monaco, who, who have Nice, they have PSG, and they have Bayer Leverkusen twice in the Europa League. So it's no easy calendar for them either. So avoiding these uh, match pieges or these, you know, these kind of banana skins of Auxerre and Clermont early in the month. Really important to, to give yourself a positive momentum. But correct me if I'm wrong, Luke. It felt to me uh, 
it just it just feels like five minutes ago. It's a little bit like the Clermont thing, but five minutes ago, Philippe Clermont's job seemed to be under threat. And now he's he's got one of the most prolific sides in the top five in, in, in Europe. And his side are really, really pushing. And they're, they're really edging into the podium. And you, and you would suggest with the quality that they've got in the squad that they're, they're more than genuine contenders for that. I mean, 100%. I think that the Coupe de France match against Rodez really kind of set him back a little bit. I think that kind of undid a lot of the credit that he'd accrued in recent weeks and months. We know what Monaco do. <laughs> they start the, the year slowly. Uh, they got knocked out of the Champions League. They then That kind of then filters slightly into their league form. They also had a really difficult calendar to start the year. And then they're always working at a disadvantage because they're having to play catch-up. And that's how it seems to be every year. Obviously, that put pay to Nico Kovac's role at, at Monaco. Uh, Clement, he, he managed to find a little bit more consistency than Kovac did, uh, especially in terms of attacking output and you know potentially thanks to recruitment of Mbolo, who we talked about before, who, who's already hit, hit double figures, which I think this is his most prolific season ever, which is... Uh, a very noticeable point. I think that he's just managed to find more goals and I think that's been the key that, okay, the defensive side hasn't been as as tight as it was last season because he, we always said, you know, you get so many clean sheets, you concede in so few goals and when he, when Clement responded to that, he said, you know, but I'm an attacking manager so, you know, it's a nice byproduct but, you know, this isn't my game and what we're seeing more this year is his game. You know, we're seeing the goals but we're also seeing the defensive uh, frailties at times. Uh, that will kind of cost him in a few matches, I'm sure, but I think their their plan is just to score one more than the opponent. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of a, of an interview I heard with uh, Everton's new manager Sean Dyche uh, this weekend, who said basically they asked what the plan was, like well to score one and not concede any, which uh, which is is fair enough. Um, that's generally Lance's plan as as well. It's Lance who are feeling the the the, the hot breath of Monaco down the backs of the backs of their necks. In fact, Monaco's win early on Sunday meant that they were just one point behind Lance and uh, looking pretty good too, to uh, to remain one point behind Brest, leading, but uh, with seven minutes to go, Jonathan Grady, his first ever league and goal. Hats off to him. I think he's 30, the, the veteran centre-back. Uh, getting a point for Lance, uh, denying Brest what would have been a second win in a, in a five-game unbeaten streak. But Lance stalling just a little bit. Third draw in five now. Just the one win, which I, I think was against PSG. Andy, uh, the wheel's not falling off, but perhaps sort of, they're, they're sort of, you know, maybe in need of a, a service if we're going to continue this. <laughs> if we could, Or maybe it's a... It's a it's a it's a it's a slow flat a slow puncture. Shall we? Uh, I mean, how how far do I want to go with this uh, this motoring metaphor? Not not much further, quite frankly. You keep talking. You keep talking. Um, I I think that Lance, you know, they had this sensational run in which they won ten on the bounce at home in the first ten games of the season. Eventually, that run was going to come to an end, and it was Nice who beat them during the week. Um, there has been a slowdown. I think it was inevitable that was going to happen at some point, despite. Everything that they're doing, which is brilliant, you know, the the recruitment has been superb. It's been well planned, unlike so many other clubs. Um, you know, they've got the Frank Ez has got the best out of his players, and 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 then some. But on paper, they don't have the same quality as some of the other teams around them. In fact, probably any of the teams around them, you would say that you know, Marseille, Monaco, Rennes, Lille, on paper, have all got better players, and so. 
there's going to be perhaps uh, inevitably they're going to fall away to some extent at some point. And I think, you know, I don't want to start making predictions because there's still a long way to go and lots of things can change. But, you know, you look at it now and you think, well, first of all, a few weeks ago, we were thinking maybe they can push PSG in a title race. Don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. Um, the gap has become eight points and that is that is big uh, between PSG and the teams below them. So is there going to be any title race? I'm not sure. Is there going to be a case of Lens losing their position in the top three. I think that has to be a possibility. I mean, I, I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't see the Lens game this weekend, only very brief highlights because I was on the Monaco game. But Monaco, you know, are a team who were able to almost play within themselves yesterday. I think they've got so much more to offer yet. We'll see how they get on next weekend against PSG. I don't want to start saying things now and then maybe be made to look stupid in a week's time. But I think right now, you look at it, you think, well, Monaco have to be fancied to to reel in the, the at least one of the teams above them. Um, I still think that Rennes are capable, perhaps, of 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 catching up with uh, with Lens. We'll see. So I think that Lens are on course to qualify for Europe in some in some form or another, and that is absolutely fine for them. I think you know drawing away to Brest is not a disastrous result. They've actually picked up a little bit under their new coach um, Eric Grois. So it's not a disastrous result for them yesterday. I think just. A little slip away in terms of um, in terms of results, but we'll get on to Nice, you know. And I think that losing that game midweek against Nice again, there's no disgrace in that. So, you know, they've they've had a fantastic run up to now, and they've been brilliant the last couple of seasons. Maybe they were just punching a little bit above their weight um, up up to now, and and you know we'll see if they can stay there or thereabouts, as as football people love to say. I did feel particularly um, targeted there, Andy, when you said I'm not going to make predictions that been be made to, to look no, at sorry, all in sorry, a week. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. That was that was Angus that I was. That's very much my style. That was Angus that I was that was um, <laughs> you know targeting with with that comment. Obviously, as we do every week. And my point is that I'm the one who makes. I'm the one who would make you look a fool, and and you're you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, you're t- totally right. Don't do not do not ever make any bold predictions whatsoever. Um, <laughs> Lens then with a, a fairly handy eight-point cushion between themselves and Lille down in sixth place, and they're, they're Lille just outside of the automatic European qualifying places. But let's not get too carried away. Events at the Velodrome on Sunday evening mean Lens are joint second. In fact, only behind Marseille on goal difference in the Ligue 1 Uber Eats table, and this is why. Morphy's in the middle, waiting to make a run. Diop. Here's Kefren Turam, charged down by Close. Now Laborde, he strikes, vicious one, and the follow-up from Diop. It was parried by Paul Lopez, and Diop threw himself at the loose ball, and he's given Nice the lead. They managed to close down Kefren Turam on the edge of the box, but when the ball ran to Laborde, they didn't close him down quickly enough. Look at Nuno Tavares standing off him. Three Marseille players, it was a vicious strike, clearly moved in the air. Here's Gaetan Laborde, tees up Turam, and this time, forced the save, Laborde, 2-0. Not quite a carbon copy of the opening goal, but it's another rebound off Paul Lopez. Space for Turam, and that shot was very, very clever indeed. Went for placement, precision, and not power. Forced a full-length stop from Lopez and Laborde following in. Good striker's instinct from Gaetan Laborde. Three goals in three games for the summer arrival from Rennes. And Igor Tudor cannot believe it. 
Marseille nil, Nice two. Ganduzi. There's a lot of talk that Matteo Ganduzi would be reunited with his former Arsenal coach, Unai Emery at Aston Villa. During the winter transfer windows, that one drops for Malinowski. It's a first goal for Marseille for the Ukrainian. Arriving late in the box. There was space and the opportunity to pick his spot, and he did so. Schmeichel with no chance whatsoever, and Marseille are back in this one. Here's a chance, Brahimi, whoa! What a goal! Where did that come from, from Bilal Brahimi? No one thought there was any danger here. The alarm bells, though, should have been ringing. It's ended here. Marseille one, Nice three. So Nice's revival continues with a fourth win in an unbeaten run of five. They'd, they'd had 1-0 wins against Lille and Lens, thanks to, to Gaetan Laborde. Laborde playing an, another integral role in, in this one. Um, let's deal with Nice first. This is a big win. Didier Degas remains unbeaten in charge of, uh, in charge of Nice. Um, Andy Delors left in the transfer window. Terra Moffi's come in, had a pretty good debut, I have to say, kind of bullied Leo Belletti, got a little bit bullied by Samuel Gigo, who, uh, who I thought played, uh, played really well, despite the, side is, despite the fact his side conceded, conceded three goals. But Nice looked very, very good and were, and were well worth this win. So you've got to say, Luke, Nice better off, better off without Delore. And it, it seems to have, ironically... His, his partner in crime for Montpellier, Laborde, he's been sparked into life since Delors decided to leave. Yeah, of course, uh, Laborde and Delors having played at Montpellier, a lot was made of the fact that this was going to be a renewed partnership and it never really came to pass. Delors was injured, he had little niggles, it, it just didn't really come together for them. And then, you know, a change of manager, a change of, of direction, and it seems like the that contract offer or, or whatever negotiations were underway to, to extend his contract kind of got put to the wayside and and I think he, he took that quite badly. So he leaves the, the Allianz Riviera, but in comes Terra Moffi. And yeah, an, an immediate impact, I'd say that he did really well holding the ball up, bringing people into play. And Laborde, who I think was quite unlucky at the start of the season, uh, you know, a very prolific striker, but it was very much, it was a bit like Messi's first season where everything seemed to be hitting the post and everything seemed to be hitting the crossbar, but everything seems to be just kind of fall in the right way. And and suddenly, uh, a couple of wins, and they picked up some some proper momentum now. And Didier Diga is is you know massively to do with that. This is someone who doesn't even have his license. So at some point in the very near future, potentially even now, uh, Nice will have to start paying a fine every single game to allow him to to be on the bench. And I don't think this is is necessarily what I expected. I was at his unveiling, and and Florence's off. He said, you know what? There's no pressure here for results. This is all just about uh, you know getting some positive performances, playing ourselves back into form, no pressure for any results. Um, and I think the expectations were, were pretty low, frankly, and they've been easily surpassed in this early, uh, you know, the early part of his reign. I would say that he's probably a, a shoe in now to continue until the end of the season because he is getting a tune out of these players that Favre, a more renowned coach, a more experienced coach, just could not. So, yeah, everything's looking a lot more positive. It's hard to pinpoint one thing at Nisa has just something turned. Um, but they're just playing collectively better. And some of these players like Jean-Claire Todibou and Kefran Turam, who are great players, but we just haven't seen them playing great, are now just looking more like themselves. So, you know, credit to, to Degas for 
we're getting the best out of them. Yeah, those two that you mentioned there, Tadebo and uh, and Turam were brilliant yesterday. Turam causing all sorts of havoc with with late runs, uh, it, it, not into the box, but really towards the towards the edge of the box, and that's what. That's he had a great chance in the first half, uh, in inside a couple of minutes, and uh, and just put just put it wide, and it was his. It wasn't really a shot. It was almost like a little bit like Messi's effort against uh, against Toulouse that he passed off the post. Turam kind of tried to pass it from outside the box into the bottom corner. It was really well struck. Paul Lopez couldn't handle it, and Laborde came in came in came in for the for the second one. Andy Terra Moffi. Do you feel that's a good fit? Twelve goals for Lorient in in eighteen in the in the first part of this season, including one at the Velodrome as Lorient were beaten uh, just yeah. uh, just a couple of weeks back. Do you feel do you feel that's a that's a good bit of business moving out Delors, bringing Moffy in? I think it's an upgrade. I think he's I think he's a. Re- I mean, listen, Terry Moffy was a target for a couple of clubs in English Premier League, which um, tells you something. I think it tells you that they have money to throw at whoever they want, but it also tells you that. Um, they, I, I believe it was Southampton and West Ham who were who were keen on Terry Moffy in particular in England, and it tells you that they see a guy with a physical profile to to work in English Premier League. Now the French game is very very physical as well, extremely physical. And actually, I'd like to interject and make a, a general point on that game last night, which I, I watched the Barcelona Sevilla game, and I watched the Marseille Nice game last night, and the Marseille Nice game was excellent. It was it was a superb game of football um, for large parts of it. And a Sevilla team coached by Jorge Sampaoli and featuring guys like Pat Gay, Karim Rekic, Lucas Ocampos. So Marseille fans will recognise a lot of these names. They looked absolutely dreadful. Marseille were much, 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 much better, but beaten by a very good Nice team. And I think that what Nice have done is really interesting because, I mean, Nicola Pepe wasn't playing last night. Um, they still had three excellent attackers in their starting lineup there in Laborde and, and Sofiane Diop either side of either side of uh, Terry Moffi Diop, who gave uh, Chancel and Bemba uh, one or two headaches. And I, I think that, you know, they they have they have the money to spend on these players. They have the ambition and they have targeted a guy who is only going to get better. I suspect that what might happen with Terry Moffi is that he will bang in 15 to 20 goals next season and then one or two English clubs might come calling again. Uh, let's see where it takes Nice. But, you know, they have... Um, improved their squad significantly in the window. I also thought that um, Yusuf, uh, I, I, I'm really sorry, I can't, I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> yes. Shimiye, that's it, yes. Who they brought in from Istanbul, Bashak Shahir. I thought he made a, a, a very positive impact last night, just playing in that role deep in midfield, slotting in between the centre-backs, um, adding muscle, just just a bit of intelligence playing simple passes, keeping moves going. I think Kefren Turam is an exceptional player. I think it's not going to be long before he's in the France squad. Actually, I really think that he is an absolutely, he's a world-class midfielder in the making, Kefren Turam. Um, and, you know, they have, they've strengthened. And and there was a comment made last night by uh, Vincent Duluc on Twitter. Vincent Duluc is the chief football writer at L'Equipe. And he said, you know, are we allowed to say that the average level in Ligue 1 this season is excellent? And well, of course we are. And, you know, there are teams, and we made this point about Lille. I think Lille have been brilliant in recent weeks. Nice are getting much better at Didier Degar. And this is why teams like Lens and Marseille are dropping points as well, because they're playing against these teams who are coming up from mid-table, who are looking really good all of a sudden. And, um, you know, the, who knows? Maybe Nice, with Moffey in there, can even compete for a European place. Uh, they're not, you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. So, yeah, I think Moffey's an excellent signing. 
they can afford to spend the money on him. And I think it's a coup for, for Lee Gunn in, in, in that they managed to fend off for once. They managed to fend off these, um, these uh, vultures in the English Premier League with their obscene amounts of money, um, which is not doing any good for the game of football in, in a wider sense. But it's good to see French clubs um, keeping, you know, keeping one or two players within the league, at least, albeit a shame for Lorient to lose him. Uh, just on, on Nice's recruitment again, I mean, Sofiane Diop is one of these summer signings. Lots of these summer signings done by Ian Moody just didn't really come off. You know, with looking at Joe Bryan, who's just completely out of the picture. Uh, Beck Sorensen, who, without playing a single minute for Nice, went back to Brentford. Lots of these summer signings just underwhelmed and, and just weren't very coherent and, and didn't seem really to, to be leading the club in a certain direction. But Sofiane Diop is, is the exception to that rule, I'd say. He's not looked at his best for large parts coming from Monaco, but that was certainly a much more positive performance. And if he if you can get that out of him on, on a more regular basis, which was also the challenge at Monaco, then then they've got a real player there. But I really enjoyed the little interaction between Diop and Churam and, and Henri actually post, post-match because of, obviously they were the two academy players whilst... Uh, whilst Henri was, was manager of the club. And that was a nice little interaction of, uh, between those three. Interesting to kind of see that little dynamic there. Yeah, I was, Andy, as you said, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that Nice do qualify for European football again next season. 34 points in eighth place. They're six off fifth place. And Ren, uh, 10 points off fourth place, which would be a Europa League qualifying place. And uh, two points further off, Lens, who were in the Champions League uh, qualifying round place for the moment. I thought... What is interesting is that Terra Moffi got quite a quite a barracking from the Marseille fans because, of course, he was very heavily linked to Marseille and uh, there was a chance that he would go there. Instead, he chose Nice. And Marseille spent €32 million, Euros, a club record, on Vitinha mm-hmm. from Braga. Mm-hmm. Prolific last season, 23 next month, so, so still more to come from him. But his debut lasted 45 minutes. And... Uh, it, I mean, I thought that was, that's not going to do his, let, let, let's, let's, let's state yeah. the obvious here, Andy, that's not going to do his confidence much good. Uh, I, I was surprised he started the game. I thought that, you know, it might made sense to, um, to bring him off the bench. I can understand, obviously, that they maybe wanted to give Alexis Sanchez a bit of a breather because, again, they've got the game against PSG coming up in midweek and I suspect that Sanchez might play in that. It's, it's just that, you know, I think, I mean, Terry Moffi came straight into the Nice team, so... It can be done that you can bring a player straight into the lineup, but clearly the way that Marseille play, the intensity with which they play, probably could have done with a bit, bit more time on the training field with Igor Tudor before coming into the lineup. And in terms of his confidence, well, I don't think his confidence is going to be shot, but it wasn't good for his confidence to start the game and be hooked after 45 minutes. It would have been much better had he come on after 55 or 60 minutes. Even if he hadn't made an impact in the game, nobody would be saying now, you know, what a terrible debut for him. So, it didn't work out at all. I mean, it was it was just a bad night for Marseille, really. I don't think any of us particularly saw that coming because they've been in such great form recently. Um, but, you know, he's a player. He's another one, of course, who 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 has signed for Marseille in this case, despite the interest in him from, from the Premier League. Again, clubs like Southampton were, were, were supposedly very keen on signing him and he's decided to come to the Velodrome. And, you know, Marseille are a big club. They've got a, a very passionate support. You can see why he might want to come to Marseille and perhaps he sees it as well as an intermediate step. Let's, let's be honest. Um, but you'll have to do better than that going forward. But it's the kind of player, the profile of player that Marseille have needed because Alexis Sanchez has admitted 
that he doesn't really like playing that role of 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 the striker of the the the, the main striker. I think he would quite like to play maybe slightly withdrawn or slightly wider. Um, so they needed extra options. It's ambitious. They've they've laid down a lot of money for him. And um, the other signing, of course, Azidine Nahi, who scored a fabulous goal during the week against Nantes. Um, and another one who Marseille signed from Angers in this case, despite you know him being linked with clubs in England like Leicester City in this case. So they have been very ambitious in the January window. They spent money, which they don't have. I mean, they're a club who've, who've been targeted by UEFA for breaching financial fair play rules, but they have clearly decided that they couldn't afford not to sign these players, that their value will increase and that they will be able to reach their objectives with these players and then perhaps sell them on at a profit. I think that's what will happen. Um, but in the context of last night, a bad debut for Vitinha, but um, they've added quality. They have been having a pretty good season up to now with the exception of their European exit. And, um, you know, before the game last night, I was thinking that they might really give Paris Saint-Germain a real run for the money in the cup game on Wednesday. Um, one or two question marks now about, you know, maybe might they run out of steam um, maybe PSG will just step up their level a little bit in in in, a, in what is a, a huge game. So we'll see how that one goes. But, um, you know, Marseille, if they finish the season in second place in the league, that will be them, you know, reaching their main objective for the season to be in the Champions League again next season. And um, they're still very much on course for that. So, you know, there, there are lots of, there's not too many reasons to be negative despite the outcome of last night's game. Yeah, Dimitri Payet can uh, maybe have a have a word with Vitini. He was hooked after 45 minutes as well. He was making just his first start since early January. But as you said, Andy, uh, Marseille have been in excellent form. Ten uh, games unbeaten, or sorry, nine games in the league unbeaten before last night. Ten games in, in all competitions. Um, but Nice looked very, very strong uh, last night. So maybe uh, Côte, the Côte d'Azur having a bit of a revival in the 2023, along with Monaco. Also hoping for our revival are Strasbourg under Mathieu Lescorne, Julien Stefan's former assistant, Habib Diallo, with a couple of goals as they beat Montpellier, who, for my money, Montpellier are the ones who are going to go down this season. They just, just cannot. They just cannot find any consistency Injuries as well for Arno Nordan and, and, and particularly Steffi Mavadidi, uh, not helpful. And uh, their form is, is, is a real worry. Auxerre, second from bottom of the table, but they held uh, Reims at home. Will still, still unbeaten. Still unbeaten. 12 games now for him. 14 matches for Reims. Uh, they're looking at least pretty good to... Uh, oh, Andy's saying 15. I, I, I believe it's uh, I believe it's fourteen, Andy. But um, I, I, I stand to I stand to be corrected. Raz unbeaten since early October, still looking very good. Uh, no pun intended for uh, another season in in the top flight, and uh, will still presumably uh, giving a, a pretty good uh, how to say job interview uh, for for this for this job on a on a on a permanent basis because I believe he hasn't been given it on a on a permanent basis as as yet. But uh, still looking good, they are in the uh, in the Champagne region. Um, Andy, sixteen, sixteen games unbeaten. Sixteen games unbeaten. Sixteen games wow. unbeaten. Okay. Uh, if if you include the, the Coupe de France two matches, include the cup, and also yes. and also the um, there was a two two draw with Trois before Will still took over 
Um, so it's 16 games since Rance suffered a defeat. The last team to beat Rance was AS Monaco on the 18th of September. So that's pretty remarkable. Ren, on the other hand, little bit of a, a stumble at the weekend. Lille with the visitors to Roseanne Park, which is usually a bit of a fortress, as well as the emporium of, of the Galette Saucisse. Let's see what happens with Matt Spiro. Lille are sixth at the start of play. Ren fifth, five points above them. Oh, already a big mistake and a goal! Amin Guiri in less than 30 seconds has given Ren the lead. And it's a nightmare for the 17-year-old Lenny Yoro. What a horrible moment for Yoro, who is such a, a talented, highly rated young footballer. But he wasn't quite tuned in yet. A poor first touch. Credit to Amin Guiri, though, who was so alert, latched onto the ball and slotted it beyond Chevalier. Raw goes up from Rosen Park. A real fortress, this. It's up there with uh, the stad Felix Bollard. Oh, a mistake at the back this time. And Mondonda denies the Grover. It was a huge chance for Lille. And now another chance for Lille. Zagrover again, and this time he buries it. Edon Zagrover brings the visitors level. Andre Gomez coming forward here. Then Jonathan David, that's a great ball. What a flick from Angel Gomez. Brilliant play. Former Man United man picking out Eden Zagrova. And his finish was superb. It's Ren 1, Lille 1. Gomez again. Nicely done. Zagrova, Zagrova's cross. There it is. Remy Capella with a smart finish. And Lille have come from behind to take the lead here. Benjamin Andre finding Andre Gomez to Grover's cross and Capella tucking it away beautifully. The substitute with his fourth league goal. It's a big one. Neil finishing the stronger of the two sides. Looking for a third goal here. Saved by the keeper. Oh! It was Virginius against the crossbar. Now Andre Gomez. Gomez! He caps a superb performance with a third goal for Lille. Well, they have really finished this one in impressive fashion. And Lee Dog are taking the points from Rosen Park. So, I mean, Guiri with a first-minute goal, and you would think that that would be enough to lay the platform for a win, but Lille, as you mentioned, Andy, coming on pretty strong in, in recent weeks. Paolo Fonseca seems to have got something right. What is it? Well, Paolo Fonseca said when he came in, didn't he? You know, he's, I mean, lots of coaches do this. So I want to play expansive, attractive, attacking football. You know, just winning a game is not enough for me. To be fair to him, he has delivered. I mean, I mean, when you think back to the early weeks of his reign, when they got absolutely pummeled 7-1 at home by Paris Saint-Germain, and on the one hand, we took this as PSG being too strong for the league. On the other hand, Lille were, were a shambles. Um, but he's, he's stuck to his principles. And, you know, Lille, I mean, I've seen Lille quite a bit in, in recent weeks. They have they play some really, really, really good football. I mean, they were disappointing down in Nice last weekend, but Nice kind of stopped them playing. You know, Nice have, have done that in the last few games. They, they did it to Lens during the week, and of course they beat Marseille last night. But Lille have been excellent. Um, they've been playing catch-up after a slow start to the season, but they're still just about in European contention. Um, they've got a, a, a plethora of really, really 
uh, exciting attacking players. I mean, um, another thing that Paulo Fonseca has done in recent weeks is he's played Timothy Weah as a left back. Um, and on Saturday night, Timothy Weah came on at left back when Ismaili, had the, the, the first choice left back, had to go off hurt. Uh, he's not afraid to play attacking players. He has got some really nice technical players in midfield. Angel Gomez has been really good for him this season, the ex-Manchester United youngster. Andre Gomez was, it was a masterclass from him on Saturday. He scored a brilliant goal at the end of the game. Uh, he was playing the kind of football which showed why Barcelona signed him uh, from Valencia all those years ago. Of course, he ended up in the Premier League and had kind of lost his way a bit at Everton and he's come to Lille on loan this season to try to relaunch his career. Paul Fonseca is doing a good job. And, you know, um, I think Lille as a club are doing some really interesting things. I mean, you tend to think that uh, once they lost Luis Campos, the, 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 the talent scout who built that team that won the league in 2021, he left and that team got dismantled. There's hardly anybody left now from that team. But they've very quietly built a really interesting team again uh, in the last six months with guys at Remy Cabela, uh, Mohamed Bayo now starting to play, Jonathan Bamba still there, Adam Unas came in, he's injured at the moment, but these are good players, you know, and, and I think as a general rule, there's some really innovative stuff happening actually in French football. I think we've been critical in the past about French clubs always turning to the same managers, guys like I don't like to cite names, but guys like Frederick Antonetti and uh, Roland Courbis, you know, were kind of on the merry-go-round for so long. But clubs now, teams like Lille, teams like Nice, like Rennes, their recruitment is interesting, it's ambitious, it's intelligent. They've got um, interesting managers in charge. And of course, in the case of Nice, Didier Digar, who nobody expected to see there, but he's doing a good job. You know, Lance, another one worth mentioning. And Lille are one of these clubs who have signed good players, they've got a good coach, they're playing good football, they're worth watching. To me, it's light years away from the, the almost the stereotype uh, that w we had, the cliched image we had of Ligue 1 five, ten years ago of teams playing boring football, just looking not to concede goals. Um, and I think it's great. And I think Lille, the, the one thing for Lille is that the, 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 the bar has been raised by just about everybody, which means that despite the fact they're having a good season, it might not be enough for them to even qualify, even for the, the last European place. So maybe sixth will be enough to get into Europe, depending on who wins the cup this season. Uh, and and so that might help Lille, but in general, I'm I'm really impressed by what they're doing, and and I hope that they can they can keep this team together and keep Paulo Fonseca because he's probably going to attract interest from elsewhere. Bearing in mind that he has got a decent CV, so um, but it's really positive and a great result because Rennes won ten in a row at home before that game at the weekend, and they went there and they came from behind, and and yeah, fabulous performance, fabulous result. Yeah, interesting turnaround as well. There talked about Philippe Clemel being under pressure for his job. Paolo Fonseca, I remember just, to, it seems like a, f a few weeks ago, saying, if the fans want me to go, I'll go. Uh, I'm pretty sure they'll want him to stay right now. Lille, sixth place, two points off the top five, and uh, certainly within a shout of a top three finish, if their form picks up again, eight points adrift of the podium, or, and of second place, of course, uh, Marseille and Lance locked together on 46, Lille on 38 for the moment. Nantes are in a decent uh, run of form as well. The Coupe de France holders getting back to winning ways after the midweek loss to Marseille in Corsica, winning 2-0 at Ajaccio. Gesson and uh, Ludovic Blas with the goals. And Angers, I have to say, uh, let's not try to be too condescending, but hats off to them. They've ended their 13-game losing streak. They got a point at Lorient, whose uh, hopes of a European place Certainly, it would have been a surprise 
at the start of the season, if we'd uh, thought Lorient would be European contenders, they're just fading just a little bit. They're now down into seventh, two points ahead of Nice, who are in eighth. Just behind them are Lyon. Laurent Blanc sides heading to the Champagne region on Saturday. Callum Brown saw how they got on. Here's Kakini. Good ball by Kola. And there is that all-important goal Leon were after. A good finish by the 20-year-old. An Olympic Lyonnais lead against Patrick Kisnorbo's twat. Now here come Leon through Cherki. Ryan Cherki finds the back of the net. And that's 2-0 to Leon. Penalt found him. He did the rest himself, driving at the back line. Maybe gets a tad fortunate, but it's a lovely finish, actually, with the outside of the right foot. Concentration there, he drives forward at Eric Palmer-Brown, threatens to go with his left. Outside of the right foot there. Guy on with no chance. Here comes Andreas Bruce, cuts back Ronnie Lopez. 2-1. Well, we've got a game on our hands now. It was Ronnie Lopez here, driving forward. He got the cutback, he's in acres of space. Fired it beyond his countryman, Anthony Lopez. Ronnie Lopez with his fourth league on goal of the season. Certainly makes this one interesting. Twaf giving it a right good goal. Sar wants the free kick, won't get it. Comes to Alwa. Lacazette, chance for three, it is! What a strike from Alexander Lacazette. Lacazette with goal number 13 for the league on season. And Laurent Blanc breathes a huge sigh of relief. So Bradley Barcola, his maiden Ligue 1 Uber Eats goal, he got one in the in the Coupe de France earlier in the year. Ryan Shirky as well, and Alexandre Lacazette, all homegrown, but uh, slightly different ends of the uh, of the career. All of them scoring in that win against Troyes, but. Uh, well, Luke, let, let's not get too carried away, should we? I mean, it wasn't it wasn't an amazing performance, and it was only twat. Yeah, I, I'm really not ever getting carried away with Leon this season. I, I think I've been. Um, I, I think I can maybe be accused of having done that once before, and I was, I was incorrect in uh, in kind of prescribing a return to form. So uh, I won't be doing that again. And I'm, I'm still kind of quite skeptical about the whole management of the club and. You know, we're talking about transfer windows. I mean, Lyon's was um, something else, wasn't it? The amount of rejection they got from clubs, from players. You know, even Wilson Isidore, who uh, former AS Monaco academy player, of course, who's at Locomotive, Locomotive Moscow, he wanted to go to Lorient instead of Lyon, eventually agreed to go to Lyon and then failed his medical. So that's just one of many kind of stories around Lyon's transfer window that don't breed confidence. You know, they eventually go for a player called uh, Jeffinho from one of another of John Chetstor's side, uh, Botafogo, and, and he's out for three weeks. He's not even kicked a ball yet. So lots of scepticism there. I'm still very skeptical about this kind of return to form, if we can, can call if we can call it that, if it's you know a trend at this point. I think there are a few positive things. I mean, Alexander Lacazette has actually been quite a successful start signing. I've been quite critical of what he did in the summer and just bringing in this, uh, bringing the band back together kind of, policy of bringing in him and bringing him to Liso and bringing back Dejan Lovren, you know, all these kind of nostalgic names for, for Leon fans. I was quite critical of that. But but Lacazette does seem to have been a, an astute buy because he's clearly a good player. He's, he's always shown that in the Premier League and, and he 
is showing that again in Ligue 1 as he did in his first spell. So a few positives, but yeah, nothing to to get too excited about. I still expect a, maybe an upper mid-table finish for them from the end of the season. You heard it here first, folks, on uh, Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 podcast, former France international and Arsenal forward Alexandre Lacazette with 13 goals this season is, according to Luke Entwistle, a good player. He is indeed. Absolutely just scything insight from, from the from the Cote d'Azur. But what, what I do like about the signing of Jeffinho is that now we can literally turn any name into a, into a Brazilian football. That was Luquinho and uh, Andinho. I'm going to turn to you now. Or maybe you're Andau, big, big Andy. Andy, it seems to me that Jean-Michel Olas just can't let it go, can he? I mean, he's come out, he's he's talked about, he, he he's basically criticised the, 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 his his new boss, yeah. the new owner of, <laughs> of the club, John John Texter. It, it doesn't, it, we, we've known about the inconsistencies of the team on the pitch. Now we're getting the, the inconsistencies off the pitch, which was something that Leon under Olas as president and owner did, didn't really have. I mean, this is, and here's more cutting inside, it's not helpful. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's almost like he's forgotten. I mean, my, my, I think I'm right in saying that Jean-Michel Olas is effectively a, a, a salarié and an employee like the next person now. You know, he's he's working still in the role of president. But if, as, as far as I understand it, if John Texter decided tomorrow that he wanted rid of Jean-Michel Olas, he could. Now, obviously, they've, they've decided to, to have a transitional period and, and keep Olas on because of his know-how and obviously his, his connections to the club. But... It doesn't look good from the outside if he's criticising um, the, the the new man in charge so soon, does it? But, I mean, it kind of comes back, actually, to what I was just saying about all these clubs being really intelligent in terms of recruitment. And, and the reality is that Lyon haven't been as intelligent in terms of recruitment. I mean, as Luke said, they've, they've just they've done that thing of bringing back loads of guys, which can be a bit hit and miss. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Now they've taken a punt on a couple of players. Um, Saar coming in from here in vain. And Jeffinho as well. But, you know, we'll see how that works out. And in the meantime, other clubs who've been more intelligent, uh, better organised, have, have got ahead of them. And that's why Lyon are in a position where it looks like they they, they, they might finish in, in mid-table this season, even if results improve in the second half of the campaign. I think they've got an awful lot of work to do. And, of course, the, the situation upstairs is, you know, the, the, is, is not particularly helpful in terms of helping improve things on the pitch. So um, they, they've got a lot to sort out. You're listening to Andy Scott. Leon, have got a lot to sort out, he says, here on Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 podcast. Don't forget, you can get us on Twitter at League One World or at League One underscore ENG. Email us your comments and thoughts and uh, criticisms and praise, ideally, to uh, League One podcast at gmail.com and all the video highlights of all the games that we're talking about are on the official website, league1.com. Time for our second quiz of the February set of Deja Who, a classic-inspired Lionel Messi jersey to get your hands on, which is something that many Ligue 1 defenders and opponents have been trying to do this season. Here is the second clue of the month. After moving from one youth academy to another, where my size was considered a handicap to a future career, a la Messi, I finally made my mark in Ligue 2, not like Messi. After just one season in the second division, I was transferred overseas to one of the richest clubs in the world. This was to become a common theme throughout my career. 
After only four starts in England, I was called up to the France national team. However, another common theme, injuries, would limit me to just 34 caps in nine years and only one major tournament appearance. In the meantime, I played for three English clubs, winning the Premier League, two FA Cups and one League Cup, uh, one Spanish club where I lifted the La Liga trophy and the Copa del Rey. I also played for two Russian clubs, a Middle Eastern club and two French clubs where I played in a Coupe de France final, won the Coupe de la Ligue and two Ligue 1 titles. My oh my, this boy has been busy. Who am I? And why was my Ligue 1 debut so special? If you think you know who it is, send your answers via email to league1podcast at gmail.com. Gentlemen, I, I, at the start, I thought I had that one, and then it just got away from me. Difficult one. Really difficult one. And, and really good, you know, really, really good question, I have to say. Whoever put it together, I don't know if it was uh, Robbie in the background, but hats off. <laughs> It was indeed. It was indeed Robbie Thompson who just loves torturing our listenership. Good luck with that one, everyone. I think there's only one thing left, and it's time for us to take a bon voyage into what is two rounds of football. First, the Coupe de France in midweek, and then we look ahead to round 23 of the Ligue 1 Uber Eats season next weekend. We've got a big one, too, in midweek, a classic. I believe you're going to be there at the uh, the Stade Velodrome, Andy, as mm-hmm. Marseille take on Paris Saint-Germain in the round of 16. Some other big ties as well. Lyon against Lille. Uh, Toulouse against Reims should be quite interesting. Will will still still be unbeaten after after his meeting with uh, Philippe Montagnier. Lorient, Lens, Angers-Nantes, which is one that I'm commentating, and there's a, a few lower league clubs in action as well. A league de tie between Paris FC and Annecy. Auxerre take on Rodez of Ligue 2. And Ligue 2 Grenoble go to fourth division Vierzon, the lowest ranked side in the competition. Just uh, quickly, gentlemen, how do we see that classic going at the velodrome? I, I, I think that my um, feeling yesterday was that Mar- I, I quite fancied Marseille. And then I saw the game last night and I began to wonder, well, maybe maybe they might run out a bit of steam. Maybe Paris Saint-Germain will turn it on, as I said before. I, I think that really is a fascinating contest. Obviously, Marseille having home advantage could be a big thing. Then again, their record against PSG, you know, over the last 11 or 12 years, really since the Qatari takeover of, of Paris Saint-Germain, uh, it's been rotten. So uh, I don't know. I mean, Marseille have got PSG twice at home. This month, they played them in the league at the end of the month. Um, I don't really know which game is bigger, actually, in in some respects. It's hard to tell. Um, massive game. And and I think for French football, and I, I know that Marseille and PSG are the biggest clubs in the country, and it's always dangerous to say you want one to win over the, over the other. But I think for French football, it might not be a bad thing if Marseille win this game on Wednesday night. Um, but you know, I'm not going to make predictions. Again, I've said this before. I'm not going to make predictions. It's 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 going to be a great game, and let's let's just hope we can enjoy it. Luke, are you willing to stick your neck out? I'm always willing to stick my neck out. So I'll, I'll go for a, a Marseille win. I think that they will be taking this game more seriously than PSG will will be taking it. I don't think that this is necessarily PSG's priority this month. I, I think that's what it comes down to. It is their schedule this month is so atrocious, really, with the Bayern Munich game, with the Monaco game, with the Lille game, with another. Uh, classic later in the month 
I just reckon that they perceive this as quite far down their list of priorities. Already if you, a decent amount of absentees. I, I would expect a little bit of rotation. I think that obviously naturally plays into the hands of Marseille, who I think will take the game very seriously and will field a, a false at 11. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go for Marseille on this one. Looking ahead then to the weekend... It seems to me there's there's only one place to go, but I'll I'll, I'll leave this one open. I, I think I think I know where you'll be, Luke. Yeah, I'll be down the road, down the road at the Louis Duff for for one of those games that does fill the stadium to the brim uh, against PSG. So that, that's going to be a big one for for both clubs. I think that if PSG win that, I think that they can then start to to feel a lot more calm about the league uh, because, as you say, there's that eight point lead, there's that eight point gap, but. Uh, Monaco aren't too far behind and, and it could be quite significantly reduced should Monaco win that. Uh, difficult to see how this one's going to go. Of course, last year that uh, Monaco welcomed PSG, they won 3-0 and that was kind of the end of the Pochettino era, the kind of the defeat that meant that the season ended very, very sourly. So um, interesting one, can't really call it, but with big ramifications at the top. Some other big games as well. Lyon against Lens, that would have been a particularly huge one at the start of the millennium when those two were, were vying for the title. Uh, Reims against Trois-Champagne-Derby. Uh, Lille against Strasbourg. Uh, I quite like the look of that one at the at the PMOR. Toulouse against Rennes. Clermont against Marseille. Angers against Auxerre. Big one at the, at the bottom of the table. Basically, I think if uh, Angers lose that one, they are not mathematically down, but they are down. Montpellier against Brest as well. That's That's an important one too. And there's a, a, there's a Breton derby as well. What a weekend we've got. Nantes against Lorient. Andy? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, sorry. Missed out another one. Just along, even closer on the road to you, Luke. Nice against the Jaxio. Yeah. Andy, uh, which one do you fancy? Uh, well, uh, Lyon loss is an interesting game. And I think, um, you know, what we said about Lyon being a club with lots of problems. It's a really big week for them because they have Lille uh, in the cup in midweek and then loss uh, in the league at the weekend. Both of them at home. So... Huge few days for them and uh, a big game for Lens too, that one, of course. I mean, again, they have the cup on, on Thursday, but they've dropped points in the last couple of league games, so they could do with getting back on track in, in, in this one. So that's going to be a really interesting game at the Groupama Stadium. Big match to finish the weekend. It'll probably be pretty cold as well. As you know, Ian, it does get a bit chilly at the uh, Groupama Stadium and, and it's nice to finish on a on a weather reference, so... I'll leave it at that. A cracking selection of games. Yeah, wrap up, wrap up well at the at the Group Armistice. Yeah, it certainly does. I, t- I tell you what, I was at the Velodrome as well recently. The wind was absolutely cutting through me, cutting through me like Luke Entwistle's insight on this podcast. Shall, shall, shall we say? <laughs> well, that's that's it. That's it for yet another week from me, Ian Holyman. I'm the target today. Andy, well, somebody's got to be Luke, and you're the youngest, so it's your easy pickings, mate. I'm sorry. Andy Scott and, and Luke N. Twistle. And there's, no, and there's no Angus. And there's no Angus, yes. I mean, I, and I did have a dig at him as well, obviously. I mean, I've got to. It's just, it's just it's <laughs> the gift that keeps giving that, that, uh, that very wild prediction. Le Bourgeois will be back with more uh, wild speculation and um, probably some, some incredibly dangerous stabs in the dark next week with uh, Robbie Thompson back in the hot seat when I take a, a little bit of a break. He'll look at all the newsworthy action shaping up, of what is shaping up to be a decisive week in football in France. We'll also take a look at the state of affairs in Ligue de BKT, see who's coming up for a promotion next season. Remember, only two teams coming up 
four going down. Ligan will be an 18-team top flight next season. That's all from us. All that's left for me to say is au revoir, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Adieu. Adieu. (laughs) Never said that in my life. Messi again. This time maybe Messi's done it.